where we have casual conversations about professional things. This podcast is powered by the Business Communication Lab at the Sam M. Walton College of Business. I'm your new host, Savannah Rubino, and this season, we're taking a crash course into empathy and how it has become the ultimate business buzzword. Welcome to our newest episode, Boomers versus Zoomers, uh, where we are going to discuss the generational differences um, and how they contribute to the environment that we have here at work. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Gracie. Hello. And just to make note, so on our our personality test, we were both INFJs. Right. But you're a Gen Z and I'm a millennial. Yes. So I'm, I'm interested to see how this is going to yeah, go. Yeah, same. <laughs> But I do want to make a quick disclaimer before we get into that. Um, As you may have noticed, Gracie and I, although we're business communication tutors, we have a tendency to mispronounce several words. So I wanted to correct myself from last week's episode. um, And uh, I did, I think I said when I was referring to the president of China, I referred to him as President Xi, when in actuality it is President Xi. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make that correction. And I'm sure you've noticed several other words that we've mispronounced. We'll try our best to get back in there. Say, and you know what? Stay tuned because there will be more. <laughs> stay tuned for the blooper reel. Exactly. But to get into the topic of the episode, um, Gracie and I are going to do a fun little BuzzFeed quiz, which can I just say, I feel like BuzzFeed is like, mm, I hope you're not offended by this, but I feel (laughs) like it's a safe haven for like millennials. Like, I feel like it's such a, it really, I was just thinking, I used to, like to kill time when I was in high school, I would go through and I would just take the BuzzFeed quizzes. And it was like, I would take... I remember taking one. It was, what flower are you? And I got a cabbage. It was like, you're a cabbage. No, yeah. I feel like when I picture like BuzzFeed Corp, like their headquarters, for some reason, I just think of mom jeans, avocado toast. Like, I feel like it's just run rampant with millennials, which is not a bad thing, Mm -hmm. but it's totally, I I think it's totally a creation of your people. So (laughs) It absolutely is. I agree with that. So Gracie, do you want to explain um, the quick little quiz that we're going to do? Yeah. So it's check off all the things you do and I'll guess if you're a Gen Z or millennial. So since it's short, I figured we'd just go through each one and give our answers to the listeners. So the first one is you wear mom jeans, which I am currently in mom jeans right now. I wear mom jeans. Do you? Yeah, I'm going to say yeah. Okay, so that's kind of both of us. Um, Do you like oversized clothes? Very much so. Me too. I don't, they're just comfortable. Uh, Use the word aesthetic. I totally do. do. I know you don't, though, do you? I don't Is that like, what do you, can you define that for me? Like, how do you use that? There's different types of aesthetics so the word itself I think of um sort of a mood board I guess and there's different types of aesthetics so um for example like cottage core is an aesthetic okay um which is like a type of like HGTV (laughs) term I guess I would say cottage core um, it's a type of, it's a cute little type of house, I guess. But okay. I, I'm, I guess to make it more applicable to like your age group, maybe it's like, <laughs> do you remember like the Tweed era? Mm-hmm. Like Zoe Deschanel. Yes. I guess Tweed would be an aesthetic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to start using that in okay. conversation and As- see if it's. That's so aesthetic. <laughs> that's so aesthetic and see if it, it fits. Uh, okay. Uh, do you have TikTok? Yes. I do not have TikTok. 
Um, oh, wow. I have Instagram, though. Uh, you say mood all the time? I don't say that. Maybe I'm breaking from my... Gen Z-ness? Yeah. Um, you use in Pinterest to create dream boards. I have definitely done that. I have absolutely done that and still do that sometimes. You have Wattpad? What's Wattpad? What? What is Wattpad? Wattpad is where, like, um, everyone posts the One Direction fan fictions and stuff like that. I don't think I've ever had Wattpad. Okay. Well, I just learned something new today. Aesthetic and Wattpad. Uh, you you wear your hair in a middle part. Can I just say we <laughs> talked about this before because Gracie currently has a side part I and do. I have a middle part and middle parts were not always the status quo. Oh, it was no. definitely very hardcore side parts. I was told my entire high school career that like the further like on this if my part was on the side of my head, I was doing it right. Like that is very much a your thing, which I love. I'm here for. I just, I can't grow out of, like, being 16 and, like, them telling me not to do that. Okay, so I wear my hair in a middle part. I don't. Uh, And you think side parts are not cute? (laughs) I'm not going to let you see what I put for that one. (laughs) I, I, it, mm, it's a habit. It's a habit. Uh, I've, have you made a TikTok before? I have, yeah. Okay. Creative? Okay. You use the skull emoji when you think something is funny. I don't do that. I do, and my grandma gets so confused. <laughs> She's like, why are you dead? <laughs> you use the sparkle emoji for emphasis? Definitely. No. You've taken a picture or video of yourself crying to see if you're a pretty crier? I'm going to be honest. I have absolutely done that. I don't know if that is that supposed to be a Gen Z thing. I think that's just something everyone, I, I feel say. like, has done when they've cried. I just want to know what I look like. You have LED lights? No, that's where... I know that's a Gen Z thing, and that's where I'm going to have to draw the line. Mm -hmm. No. You've said that something is a vibe. Okay, I do do that. Saying you're sad like it's a joke, but you're actually pretty sad. I feel like that's a Gen Z and millennial thing. Yeah, yeah. Millennials are so sad all the time. Yes, absolutely. You've had a combo on Google Docs at school. No, Google Docs was not a thing when I was in school. I have. That's how we used to communicate back in my day. Um, In high school, I remember specifically whenever Kylie Jenner um, announced that she had her baby, we would be like, oh my gosh, seriously. And we would type back and forth about like the celebrity gossip. So definitely for me. Wait, so you never did handwritten notes? No. I I threw those things well across the room to try and, like, Really? That's so risky. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was. It was. It made me... That was the only way that I was risky in high school, though. Oh, was, wow. like, to do that. I was very much a daredevil. And then putting all your apps on dark mode. I do that. I do, too. Okay. Let's see what my results are. See my results. I'm a Gen Z. And the... Millennial. And can I just say, the person that? that they gave me is Millie Bobby Brown. Is she a Gen? She's I from, guess she is. She's from Stranger Things, which I feel like is so rant. Why? Why is that the is she poster kind of child for Gen Z? I don't know. I got so I got millennial, but oh, it even says you're most likely a millennial or maybe even a boomer. <gasps> it says that to me, which I, I don't want to say that I'm offended, but a little bit. And then it has like it's a a gif of the guy from that one show. You know what I'm talking about? It's um the police show. Yes, with Andy Samberg. 
I'm sure Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yes. I was gonna say I'm sure people are like screaming into their headphones right now. Okay, well, that was fun, and I'm not surprised by my answers, but I refuse to think that I could be a boomer. But there you have it. Um, I I was really excited to do this as a topic for empathy, um, our overarching theme for the season, because notably, which I didn't realize was not common um, years ago, but apparently we have four or four to five generations in the workforce right now, which is supposedly a big deal. Mm. And so I think especially with all the changes that have happened um, to the workplace throughout COVID, I think that it's interesting to see how the generations that are a little bit more traditional, um, whether or not they embrace these changes or if they're struggling to come to terms with them, what how they feel about these changes. And then there's people like me who haven't been in the workforce for too long or really don't have that much experience in the workforce at all. Um, to really just expect these kinds of, like, expect this kind of treatment in the workplace. Like, Mm -hmm. remote work is something that I think most people my age are expecting when they get out of school, which is not anything that used to be the norm at all, Mm -hmm. by any means. Mm -hmm. And so, how do you feel as a millennial, like, Um, with these changes? Because you've kind of been, like, I feel like I picture millennials as the middle child. Uh-huh. So we have the older child mm-hmm. that's kind of like the more authori- authoritative figure. I guess that would mm-hmm. I would say there's boomers. Mm-hmm. And I'm so sorry, Gen Xers, if you're listening. <laughs> but I'm going to forget about you guys for just a moment. Because uh-huh. the middle child, I picture millennials. And then the younger child, the more um, entitled, mm-hmm. I guess you would say. And not that we're like entitled, mm-hmm. but like... I do think I... Maybe I'm just like wanting to defend millennials but i do think millennials did a lot of the legwork so true to get gen z to where they can be as confident as they should be right Mm -hmm. like because that's something that i really admire about gen z but as far as as far as remote work i mean i i have been um i have both been a student in the remote environment and i have i teach so i've taught so i've had a job in the remote work environment and to be honest i hope it stays i think it's much more accessible right um it's much more at least for me like just personally speaking is i feel like it's accessible and i really don't see how we're not gonna keep doing some version of this right you know and another reason i think this is so relevant to our theme is we have something that has never occurred before in the workforce, and that's the great resignation. Mm -hmm. We've never had um, workers taking back their power and saying, no, I I think I deserve better, and I'm going to find better. And now um, we have the companies Mm -hmm. really fighting for – fighting to win over the people, and I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I did so – we did some research on, like, how the different generations interact in the workplace because at the BCL we have three generations here, Um, but I think it's – I don't – I personally don't notice the differences between the generations, like, in this work environment as opposed to I probably would somewhere else. Right. Um, But, like, as far as thinking about empathy and, and like you said, Savannah – companies needing to 
perform empathy more in order to like maintain the workforce that they have and um, to maintain the kind of mutual respect that requires empathy. Um, And so I was just doing, you know, I won't go through all of it, but I was just doing some research on it. And a lot of these, these business articles that are talking about, you know, how, how do I make sure that Gen X, uh, Gen Z and millennials are all um, happy and confident and communicating? Um, A lot of it, a lot of the recommendations were just kind of to to intermingle the generations, which seems right. so simple, right? Right. But like, um, uh, but I think a lot of times as people, we tend to you know just stay with the people that are similar to us. Um, so like intermingling the generations, uh, and also what I thought was interesting was nurturing a shared identity that evolves over time. So like me and you as millennial and Gen Z, we're both writing tutors and like we have that shared thing in common. Which it's funny you mentioned that because um, I, you know, we talk about when you do research on these kinds of things, one thing that came up um, pretty frequently is that the basically how generations are shaped is more around their experiences and like they feel um, like they're a collective group because they've experienced the same things, mm-hmm. like the same world events. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if we'll see a little bit less of like a rift between generations just because something so pertinent like COVID has mm-hmm. happened and affected all of us so substantially. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if in a few years we'll kind of see, um, or if, you know, with the coming generation, I forget what they're called. I think what is the new generation called? Like the babies, the COVID babies? Some, something. I was seeing them called Generation C for okay. COVID, but there's um, Generation Alpha. Is what oh, yes, yes. So the generation that's growing up during this time, it'll be really interesting to see if there's such a large divide between them and then all of the other um, previous generations because um, they grew up with COVID. Mm-hmm. It was nothing different for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, now, because I when we're thinking about you know, cultural, culturally defining moments of our generations, like COVID is one that I think everyone would say right right now. Like even if, you know, because the other ones I would say is millennial, um, September 11th, the Me Too movement, uh, that sort of thing. But like COVID is something that you and I both have in common. Right. And that Gen X has in common and baby boomers have in common and all of that sort of stuff. Right. And I think that's made us a lot more understanding of each other as well. So mm-hmm. I guess it's like a silver lining, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. All right. So we actually conducted an interview with um, three of our employees here at the Business Communication mm-hmm. Lab. We have Liza, who is, or we have Ryan Sheets, who's the director of the BCL. We have Liza, mm-hmm. who is, I guess, her title is like the co-director, assistant, assistant director of we the BCL. Stay tuned for another correction <laughs> next week. Oh my gosh. Okay. And um, Jared, who is um, a tutor just like Gracie and I. And so Ryan is a Gen Xer. Mm-hmm. Grace, or sorry, not Gracie. Liza is a millennial like Gracie. Mm-hmm. Although you have said that you guys kind of like, she's farther on the yeah, end of millennial is. than you are you're kind of like on the cusp I am so on the they cusp say of mm-hmm. and then we have Jared who is a Gen Z and they're going to talk about their perspectives and um, their perceptions of what the workplace should look like and just the differences between all of their generations and how it kind of shapes their views 
Okay, we're recording. So, uh, yes, first, we are. first, can you go through and introduce so yourself, your generation, and your job at the BCL? Okay, I'll go first. My name is Liza Vaman. I am a millennial, and I'm the assistant director at the BCL. I'm um, Jared Presley. I'm Gen Z, and I am a, a tutor at the BCL. I'm Ryan Sheets. I am barely a Gen X, but as I read more, I'm totally identifying with some of the things here. Uh, and I'm the director of the BCL. Yeah, we've got like a good, a good representation here. Um, okay, so it's like you planned it. I know it's almost <laughs> like we knew what we were doing, which I wouldn't go that far. But uh, me so, either. <laughs> such a Gen Gen X. Gen X. Um, everything, everything everyone says now, I'm just gonna be like, that's just because of your generation. Yeah. Uh, so okay, so my first question is. I would love to know what you would say, like, the culturally defining moment of your generation is. So, like, for me, it's Mm 9-11, right? Like, what would it be for y'all? Yeah, mine was also, mine was 9-11, but I was thinking about it. I was in seventh grade. I had to be told by my parents that what was happening on the TV wasn't, like, a movie. Like, they had to tell me how serious it was because I I didn't really understand it until they Mm -hmm. broke it down for me. Mm I wasn't alive during 9-11. You really I was, weren't? I, it was, I was born in February of 2002, so it was, what was that, September, October, November, December, January, five yeah. months? Yeah, five months. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really, obviously I know about. Jesus, you're young. Obviously yeah. I know about 9-11, <laughs> but it's not, I, don't, I don't guess I can really consider that culturally defining for me. See, but, like. Well, then what is? I was going to say, yeah. I would say, me personally, I did. I did the election of Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, did, I never will forget that either. I yeah. did that specifically for like how crazy it was and the way he yeah. won, but just because since I'm African American, that just was one of the most craziest things to yeah. me when I saw that. Because then for him to get elected for a second term, mm-hmm. that's yeah. just that was very closely defining for me. Because I feel like, especially for me, it just showed like, man, you really the sky is really the limit. And that was one of the times where I just, a lot of, like, the motivation for doing things that most people couldn't do, I just... Do you remember, like, where you were when it happened? I was, I think we were, that was, that was when we were in Otter Creek. So I think I was watching it, because I, we, we, I watched a lot of the, um, didn't know what was going on, but right. I watched a lot of the debates and when we were at home, just sitting with my mom and stuff, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was living in Illinois when he was, I just moved to Illinois. When he was oh, elected, that's cool. it was my first that, semester of grad that school. Was awesome yeah. on the it was it was really cool. Yeah. Like fireworks started going yeah, off, and right right cool. when, and they had friends who live in Chicago, and they were at Grant Park. That's I think cool. it was Grant Park where where like there was a big, uh, the announcement. And he came out and like yeah. That was yeah, my that was first neat. time to be able to vote was for Barack Obama. Oh, really? I voted for Barack, yeah. Barack Obama and. Anyone? So yeah. I, 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 after it, was, it kind of set me up. Though, yeah, it's like, but I voted. <laughs> so why didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like. Uh, I couldn't vote then, but that was the first election that I paid attention to. Yeah. I remember that. For for me, um, I was thinking about this, and I really it, it's hard because I have three defining moments. One was the one you've already mentioned, nine eleven. But the first. It was born in 1978, so the first was 1989 to 
1991, like the fall of the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. it's a big deal, mm-hmm. right? Like, because all my childhood, mm-hmm. like, they were the big bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they were gone. And then the Berlin Wall fell. Oh, yeah. I just remember that, like, watching that, just, just mm-hmm. finding that very, very interesting. The, the second, like, kind of coming into young adulthood was, of course, uh, September 11th. And I was actually getting dressed that morning. I was uh, looking for work, getting dressed to, like, go to a job fair. It was the day after my birthday. My birthday is September 10th. So it was, uh, it was, I was like, I didn't do the job thing on my birthday. Cause it's my birthday. Why would I do that? Uh, that'd be stupid. And, and so I was tying my tie to get ready and then it happened and I was kind of glued to the TV mm-hmm. and then as I was like finishing like getting ready like the second one hit and I just remember like taking my tie off mm-hmm. and it was like I, I just drove around Birmingham and like just kind of it was just a weird day right mm-hmm. um, and then the third one for me is now like with the pandemic yeah. like I have two young kids so my kids were two and four five when mm-hmm. it started um, and that's been you know just one of those things you just sort of like pretty defining for me as yeah. a parent because mm-hmm. um, parenting is hard already in this kind of yeah that's the I mean made it harder mm-hmm. exactly like my, my I feel like a lot of my friends are like deciding to have kids during the pandemic and it's a really tough time to want to bring kids into mm-hmm. the world that, yeah, so that's been a... Yeah. I think another reason why I chose Barack Obama was, I guess it kind of, it, well, it does, it directly relates to 9-11, is the fact that he is the president, well, one of his administration when we got rid of the, the leader of Al-Qaeda. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that just was, and I, and I remember, I, I do remember this when he, like, moments after, because I've watched documentaries on it mm-hmm. just because I find it interesting, where he came on just minutes after um, it all went down, he gave that... Gloat like that na- the nationwide address and how mm-hmm. just the way it sounded. Mm-hmm. It was just crazy to me. Mm-hmm. What I find interesting is that like all of the examples are examples of trauma or like really oh, bad things yeah. that happened, right? Like, because I was, as I was thinking about this too, I was like, oh, 9 11, me too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, I thought of Obama, I thought of Trump mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I was thinking, and I was like, my natural reaction is not to say a positive thing. Right. Right? It's to, like, say something that was terrible. Yeah. So. Well, I think culturally defining moments often are terrible, yeah. right? I mean, it's like, like, what's, like, an impactful event in my life? It's like, like, getting married, becoming a parent. That's not something I share right. in yeah. the world. That's I not feel something like the defining Obama for a generation. Example was pretty positive. Yeah, of course. That's that's a, that was a good one. That's but, true. yeah, Y2K was one that I didn't mention, and that mm-hmm. one was... Oh, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. That one was... Do you even know what that is? I have literally no idea. But I was okay. going to nod. Zippers and it's YKK. You had to, like... Uh, um, the big thing was, like, the computers are going to stop working. We won't have electricity. It, basically, it's just going to be, like, apocalypse. Like the apocalypse, and my I remember my dad updated all his like monitors because he's a dentist to make sure everything was like working there, so his patients' records would be, and and my you know my mom talking about that, and then we had a party, and my mom thought it would be funny at our party when during the countdown to um, turn all the power off. That's awesome, and it, and, and it was hilarious fun. now, but in the moment I was like, I had friends being like, oh, this is the end of the world, like. 
I had friends crying because they thought, you know, their brother wasn't going to heaven. And then I had one of the kids uh, threw up from all the stress of people screaming. So my mom came up from pranking everyone and was like, funny, right? And everybody was just like, it was its own little, like, apocalyptic moment of people stressed out. That's funny. <laughs> That's probably the defining moment of that kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like when I asked my mom, like, sort of what her defining moment, what she would uh, mention was when JFK was assassinated yeah. in, in 1963, because she was yeah. in school then. I, I, I guess she was like, it was 1963, she's probably 15 or 16, I guess. I don't know. Not to tell everybody how old my mom is, but uh, now you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 you know, I, I do think that point, it's like, it's like usually something not entirely positive or something mm-hmm. like political like that the nation yeah. goes through mm-hmm. so it's, it's very yeah my mother's mother so we call her Mima. yeah and uh she um well we had this talk a lot of times just because i think it i guess it would i guess i could assume that it was a cultural defining moment even though but she always talks about like she can tell you exactly what she was doing where she was mm-hmm. the conversation that was going on when MLK got assassinated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, whenever we talk about this stuff, you can tell just, like, it hits home because, like, 9-11, people can tell you exactly what she Because mm-hmm. even that, like, she's lived, she lived through mm-hmm. all this stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I never really talked to her exactly what her closer to final moments is, were or are. I, but I'm pretty sure those would be in there. She probably mm-hmm. has, like, Ron, you had three. She probably has, you know, three, four, yeah. five. Mm-hmm. But you should ask her. That would be a good conversation. That's, yeah. that's what, that's what I'm saying. I never really thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> She's willing to be interviewed for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, so what stereotype do you feel that you embody the least out of your generation? And what stereotype do you feel like you embody the most? As a millennial... I, I know millennials are, the stereotype is that we're lazy and we don't like to work, and I feel like I am a hard worker. Um, <laughs> um, but um, but I think what I do embody is that millennials aren't willing to just work with no, work have that same work ethic that my parents, I think, like, you don't question the values of what you're working, you just are loyal to whatever is it wherever you are um and I do think I mean I definitely I you know I switched jobs when I felt like I was in a toxic environment you know I'm a hard worker but I also didn't want to I wasn't just gonna stay at a place because that was the first place I chose Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um me I had to google this because I didn't really know any stories yeah me too (laughs) (laughs) but but once I looked them up I saw well, never mind. I have heard some of these before, but some of the ones that I found for the least, what I don't embody, which I don't feel like I embody, is self-centered. A lot of people think Gen Z or people are self-centered. I don't really know why, but and then they're obsessed with social media. Now that one, I can say I've heard that one a lot because I think that bleeds into another one that that we just don't know what's going on in the world because we're so invested into our phones and TikTok, Instagram, the next funny meme mm-hmm. that we're not keeping up with what's going on in the world. But I can say, me personally, that is literally far from the truth. I am going to be the first one to laugh because I am goofy mm-hmm. and the next meme, but I'm very invested in knowing what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. when it's time to get, like, serious and talk about stuff and understand, that's me. I don't... 
literally the furthest person away from self-centered. Mm-hmm. But the, what I embody the most is one of the ones, the stereotypes that I watched, oh, it was a video of a TED Talk that I was watching like an hour or two ago. She was like, Gen Z is very passionate about the like social change and all that. I very, I value social change a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. personally, like, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably the one I would say I, I invite the most. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what's so like cool about Gen Z is like, yeah, there's a critique that there's TikTok and there's I, the other the other ones, um, but like I feel like that's a way that y'all use to stay connected to the world and to like know what's going on. Like I've seen there are so many cool TikToks that are just like so powerful yeah. and it's just like that's a way to do it that's yeah. a tool that that's you that's what i felt i guess i was confused when i saw that that's what they thought about I gen think... z because whenever this ukraine invasion happened that's literally all i was seeing on tiktok was yeah. just nothing but mm-hmm. ukraine stuff so naturally i was just watching them to stay even though i was already seeing it on news right. and twitter and mm-hmm. stuff to, i mean i i kind of that's i use that's what i use it for i use it right. to stay invested mm-hmm. into what's going on mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's a stereotype that comes from a generation that doesn't understand that social media does have um, valuable news outlets from it. It also has a lot of misinformation, too, Mm -hmm. and other things. But I I think people think when you're looking at your phone that you must be doing something that's not meaningful. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where the stereotype comes from, which I don't agree with either. I think that... I guess, like, the older generations maybe think that, like, I don't know, maybe they're just scared that we're moving to more of a technology-based society. Like, that's just what we're moving to. Things are just ran through phones and more technology stuff. It's not, like, really written out in newspapers. Mm -hmm. I don't really see anyone reading news at the newspaper anymore, except my grandfather. He Mm -hmm. does, but that's just how it is. So, me personally, yes, I am on TikTok a lot, but... Mm -hmm. Most of the time, I'm just reading and trying to figure out new things. I'm always trying to learn new things. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't consider myself just obsessed and not in tune with what's going on in the world. The world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that speaks to also, since your generation is known for like creating movements, you have to know what's going on <laughs> to to create a movement. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think that that's a almost like an oxymoron mm-hmm. that you guys are the ones that create movements, but you don't know what's going on. Like, you have to um, And the other thing is, too, it's like, well, who's making these companies, social media companies, TikTok? It's not mm-hmm. Gen Z. It's, it's generations older than you mm-hmm. who are making them. So it's like, why are you complaining about me using the things mm-hmm. that older generations have created? I never thought of it like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't make TikTok. You didn't That's make true. Twitter. You didn't make... Those are people, like, my age. Mm-hmm. Or, or my age. Or, or yeah. Liza's age, in some cases, yeah. That's yeah. true. So, I always find those critiques, like, you know... Also, you know, reading the New York Times on my phone or iPad is... I mean, I don't have a giant... But like, where am I going to put that big paper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got time for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so bad for the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I guess I'll go like which one do I feel I embody the least? Was that your question? Mm-hmm. And the most. And the most. Um, the least. I I had a hard time with this one because I think one of the least uh, is that like you know Gen Gen X is like that slacker. Like I mean Richard Linklater had that great film Slacker um, from Austin, Texas. So I think that are sort of like directionless. Uh, I, I you know I. I just I just find that kind of tired 
uh, kind of a tired stereotype. Uh, the other is like latchkey kids, mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, kind of left to fend for, fend for themselves. I, I, you know, I mean, my dad worked, my mom was busy and, and all that, but I, I'm just, you know, don't feel like ignored. Like Gen X is often, seems like the middle child mm-hmm. generation that we're just kind of, everybody forgets about us and is ignored. And I just am sort of like, you know, if you're feeling ignored, make noise. Mm-hmm. Um, such a youngest child. That was like a youngest child thing, totally right there. Yeah, I was going to say, you weren't the middle yeah. child. Yeah, I can't yeah, realize that I was talking about this. Uh, <laughs> and, and so for me, like, I, I just, you know, don't care for that. But, like, the, the one that I did find to embody me the most, and this kind of gets to, to sort of workplace issues, which I know we, we may talk about later, um, is, is that... Our, my, my parents' generation, my dad, for example, worked 41 years for the same company. He started there when he was like 19, 18, 19, retired when he was just before he turned 60. Um, that's not going to happen with me. I don't have that much time. <laughs> and and that's not going to happen with me. So this, this idea of like working for you know, U.S. Steel or working for, you know, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, so like working for U.S. Steel, working for Alabama Power, working for this hospital, or, you know, doing this, that, and the other, uh, working for the Southern Company, working for a SIPCO, or working for, you know, whatever you want to think about for 40-something years, and you get the pension and all that. Like that, when that broke down, I was a kid. Like I remember my friends, dads, and moms, like, getting laid off after 15, 20 years at Alabama Power, um, or 15, like, when U.S. Steel severely, like, cut back their operations in Fairfield, or when SIPCO, uh, where my dad worked, didn't didn't have layoffs because they were employee-owned. I think they had one round of layoffs, but they, they didn't. But, like, I, I remember all these, you know, like, families who, who experienced layoffs, and when you go work for a company with the mindset that I'm going to work for AT&T for 20 years, or I'm sorry, for, for 40 years, and then after 15 or 20, when you're honestly, like, hitting the peak of your earning potential, like, you're really, like, you know it, you know people, you've got skills that are marketable, and you're starting to make decent money, and then everything's pulled out from under you. That's yeah. devastating. Mm-hmm. Like, to see that happen to people um, and just that mental shift that had to occur. And so, like, having witnessed that, um, I'm not saying I have a mercenary mentality where it's like, oh, I'll go anywhere for a penny more. Mm-hmm. You know, take at least a nickel. But <laughs> standards. <laughs> standards. <laughs> um, like, I'll go anywhere for a dollar more sort of thing or I'm just, like, job hopping. I've kept jobs for several years. Um but this idea that you're going to stick with one company, you're going to give them everything, if you're going to be a workaholic, um, that's, I, I mean, the idea of that not being the case, it's sort of like you, you kind of make your own career. you got to look out for yourself a little bit. Uh, you got to be resourceful and adaptable and yeah. self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to do all those things. That, that to me, is, is very... Um, I don't know if that's embodying a stereotype the most, but that's like a, a sort of work practice and mentality. It's mm-hmm. like I don't 
like going into my career, I never felt at any place that I'm going to be here forever. Yeah. yeah. And a generation before me, that was the norm. Mm-hmm. I, I think, too, I'm hopeful that that means that companies are going to have to realize that they have to keep a healthy culture to keep people. You know, I, I mean, not all companies have realized that yet, mm-hmm. but I'm hopeful, especially with this, like, great resignation, that it's like, okay, we need to figure out how to keep our talent because they know that we won't stay there. I mean, that we won't stay there Mm -hmm. if we don't feel valued Mm -hmm. or safe or, uh, and I do think more recently and the workplace has become one more accepting of like, Oh, people aren't just robots. They have, you know, mental health needs and health needs, especially during COVID. And, um, that came to the forefront that or at least it came up to the surface which companies were not valuing those two needs the the physical and mental health needs um and like do people feel safe at work um i and i i don't know that i i don't know i don't know that your parents generations probably the companies are expected to be loyal to their employees i don't know what It'd be interesting to hear from that generation. Well, I think it cut both ways. Yeah. I I think it cut both ways. Yeah. But you were supposed to be loyal to them. Right. It was was a... So were they able to get away with more because... Well, they were loyal to you. You were loyal to them. Okay. You know, the boomers typically you're thought of as being like workaholics, working long hours. My dad definitely did that. I mean, he worked long hours. Um, But the idea is that I'm loyal to you. I'm not going to job hop. I'm not going to try to to go somewhere just to get more money. Um, And then I will give you a lot and you will give me a lot back. Namely, loyal, long-term, gainful employment Mm -hmm. with raises and, Mm -hmm. you know, mobility and movement and so forth. Um, Yeah, and I guess, too, when when you're saying that, like... Mass layoffs kind of broke that. Right. There are companies that are like, well, you're replaceable now, <laughs> you know, right. like, so they, they don't have show loyalty to their employees. Uh, I, I feel like, like we've talked yeah. about millennials and the Gen X's in the workplace, Jared, like, how do you, I mean, I, so I'm supposed to ask you about the differences between the generations in the lab and you can talk about that too, but like, I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about work? <laughs> That's such a bad question. As your two bosses are sitting here with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you... There was a question on there. It, it asked how mm-hmm. notice generation differences in the workplace. Yes. I don't yes. really notice, because one thing I could say, we, we're all in here just, we all laugh and just joke around about, you know, saying goofy stuff, and we post those questions up on the board, and we all have, like, different things, especially, like, uh, it was, like, our best cartoon character scene, and, mm-hmm. like, all the different things. I don't know. I don't really ever notice. I always... It, like in a way, and obviously I know this is not true. It's like it feels like we're just all like in one generation. We all just I don't know. I don't ever feel a difference as far as generations. Like normally, when when, when I have conversations, I, I, I mainly see it with my family. When we have conversations, like the jokes aren't really felt on each level. Like it's jokes oh, that I can get. Yeah. There are yeah, just, the cultural references yeah, just, and things that, yeah. just funny to me yeah. that are just not funny when, we're, when I'm talking to my grandfather or even my dad at some time. Like, it, it's just not 
but I don't really notice it in the work environment. Not even in my my job back home. I don't I don't really notice it there either. I will say that you are a hard worker, mm-hmm. and not to not to say that your generation isn't, but that's what I noticed about you to op, to be like, hey, you should apply for this job, is that you're very motivated and a hard worker, which kind of aligns with. I mean, we all talked about that is what we feel like is again that we identify with is mm-hmm. that we're hard workers. Uh, one thing I've noticed about my generation is it actually goes along with what Ryan just said is that we're going we're we're shifting to we don't really want to just work for everyone. We're trying to start our own businesses. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, yeah. even if it's it's not a good idea, but mm-hmm. everyone's trying to start their own business. I, I know people my age in high school that are starting their own hair business, doing all this mm-hmm. different type of stuff. Because they literally just, I don't want to work for somebody. And I think, Interesting. Yeah. going on with what Ryan said, I, I'll, me personally, I'm not planning to, although I do want to have like career goals that I actually want to work and stuff, I don't ever see myself being like my grandfather where he worked for ABF his entire career mm-hmm. and living off retirement. Now, I don't see myself working for 40, 50 years yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only time I noticed a difference in generations was when we were doing research on the metaverse. And I, which I don't think that's just a, I think I'm not a good representation of a millennial because I don't know that much about the metaverse. I don't either. Okay, maybe that is, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I noticed a difference, like, it depends on what job I'm working at. Mm. Like, this job, This is knowledge work, right? So it's kind of different in that, like, it's... The generational differences may not be felt, but if you're doing, say, retail work mm-hmm. or you're working with customers, just mm-hmm. retail. like retail, and, and I've worked in sort of a retail-ish job or did a grocery store, you know, checking out, running the checkout back when they still had checkout lines that people ran mm-hmm. um, and stocking shelves and things like that, dealing with the general public. There is some differences mm-hmm. with, like, the way people in my generation and then people who were, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years uh, older than me because the manager there was a really old guy. Um, And sort of like the way we dealt with customers and dealt with customer complaint or dealt with difficult customers is very, very different. What were you, like, how are you told to deal with them versus them? Well, I mean, we've all heard the phrase, like, the customer's always right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That. But I think people in earlier generations may have actually believed that. Mm. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, no, I've met no, plenty no, of wrongs. No, they're can, still the customer. I can agree with that. Like, like they're still the customer. We need their money. They need our products. Yes, There's a transactional and relational aspect yeah. to it. But, yeah. like, we're both fallible human beings, and we yeah. can both be jerks. And also, it's like some customers, I think now we realize, some customers are just more trouble than they're worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, too, that, like, goes into, like, the younger generations talk about boundaries and, like, yeah. like your mm-hmm. like your values, your boundaries, and that you can set them anywhere, you know? Yeah. And, and whereas that was, I don't think that was a discussion that was talked about as much right. in older generations. Mm-hmm. So, like, if there is a customer that is, you know, crossing a boundary, then that's when it's, like, I mean, yeah. I've talked to tutors when I was training them, if they have somebody that's difficult, come find me, like, I, and I will handle it, mm-hmm. um, because I don't want them to feel unsafe or, or, um, or disrespected or, like, they have Just, to handle it on like their own. like a sticky own. situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, 
in that regard, it's like the customer isn't right, and and we don't really have traditional customers here, right. for students, but but I also you know want my employees to feel safe. Yeah. And, that, that's really know. a good example as you brought up the customers are because I work in I work in, <laughs> I work in food back at home oh, and. Right. With me working my way up the hierarchy in just about a year, I promise you, I couldn't even begin to tell y'all all the different personalities and people mm-hmm. one-on-one that I've had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And in, in the back of my head, I want to get it done the most respectful way that they're satisfied. I'm like, Even though it was a bad experience that mm-hmm. time, they still want to come back. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my head, I'm like, like... You're, you're, you're wrong. This is not something yeah. like, this is just, and there's no way you can. It's like, I'm making you happy yeah. so you leave. Mm-hmm. Because so, yeah. so, not because you're right. I, I, go, yeah. I, I say all that to say, I've always heard the customer's always right. Right. But that's not, that's something I've just never believed in, personally. Mm-hmm. Right. I've, in my, like, growing up, I'm, I'm 20 now, and I've just never believed yeah. that, ever. I think, like, something that I notice about Gen Z and the millennials is just the, the, and probably Gen X, who I just don't know that much about Gen X. Yeah, I mean, like why said, would you? Because, like, I mean, just a great group Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> you're really good. Like, I don't know. I, um, I, We're like E on the Scantron test. We're there, but we oh, don't really e. exist. Yeah. I legitimately was like, oh, it's baby boomers and then millennials, because I just, that's like the, the discourse that we have. But um, but something, so this might apply to Gen, Gen X, too, but, like, I've noticed, and this is a generalization, but, like, about a younger generation noticing your worth outside of work and being able to say like I am a I am my value is separate from what I do here so like interactions with customers like that being able to say like you know what that was really bad but like I'm still good right mm-hmm. and I think I hope that people are getting better about that mm-hmm. that's very much a Gen X thing is well, it yeah like that sense of boundaries really and saying like trying to create a work-life balance Mm and being able to just say no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't think... I have had, and this is my sound like a millennial thing, I've had a conversation with a friend being like, who invented this 40-day, 40-hour work week? Mm -hmm. Like, what bright idea was... I mean, I know it's industrial revolution. There's a lot... Well, it used to be like 60 or 70. Right, exactly. But even that, I'm like, what? It hasn't changed in so long. Like, the... Our work culture, and especially if you go outside of our country, like, it's the norm and everybody expects to be the norm here, but, like, it's not like that everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it's just Yeah, and one, thing, one thing I've noticed is, and this is just off assumption, because yeah. honestly, I'm not going around ask people, what generation are you? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but the, the, like, the middle-aged people, for what I deal with at my job back home, tend to show the most respect for the workers. The older generations that come through there, just as basically, I'm just assuming they just, they're not necessarily rude, which I have dealt with some rude ones, but mm-hmm. it's like, this is what is, this is what you're supposed to do, because all they see is the company right here. They, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't see me right. behind this shirt. Yeah. And this is what it's supposed to do, this is how I want it, and it doesn't matter if we're at, you're out of something, this is what I need. And then the younger my people my age and mm-hmm. a little bit younger come in there and I don't they weren't really taught proper etiquette and how to address like we were going for customer service. Mm-hmm. So it's like that that middle that middle age I get the that's where I see the most respect. Like that's probably the people I get the most confidence for. Is that I, like millennials? 
I probably would. I, I mean, my that's probably my guess, yeah. and be like the people who are always, it's like congrat, not congratulating, but giving you a pat on the back, even yeah. though like when they see the line is out the door, yeah. they're not coming in there and demanding something. They can yeah. respect it. Like I've had people, you like take your time, man. I see you're busy right now. Yeah. But I don't get that from that old, especially not the my generation. Like they, they're coming there and just start screaming about what they want. Your your generation. Yes. Interesting. I, it, it's, I found that very interesting now that we yeah. talked about hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, is there anything else that anyone wanted to talk about or say? What did we not get to? Uh, a lot. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's Gender. Fine. Did anyone? I, <laughs> that's I like a whole other that question. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, like, yeah. I, so, gender? Yeah. See, Ron had some notes down there. Yeah, I mean, we kind of, we kind of got through most of them, um, That I, that I can think of, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting in that, you know, we do have sort of an intergenerational workplace, mm-hmm. you know, that we've got baby boomers still in the economy, mm-hmm. Gen X, which nobody thinks about, uh, millennials, and then Gen Z, and then, you know, as people stay in the workplace longer, you know, whether that be the gig economy, um, side hustles, whatever or like with your friends who may be entering the economy earlier with like side businesses and starting their own businesses i think the important thing to remember is like intergenerational communication is not going away right it's always going to be a challenge um and i think part of that challenge is 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 just understanding your audience and making sure like you were talking about jared with with tone i think tone becomes incredibly important because even if I may not know the right thing to say, I know I'm coming at you the right way. I'm approaching the situation mm-hmm. in, in sort of a humble learner mentality, or I'm approaching the situation giving you the benefit of the doubt, respecting you as a person. Mm-hmm. I think those things become all the more important because that becomes sort of the grease that keeps the wheels moving. I. I just wanted to clarify, too, I think, because I don't think I articulated this earlier very well, I, I'm hopeful with, like, the younger generations that, like, the American identity isn't just work mm-hmm. anymore. You know, like, when you go outside and people, when you ask somebody what do they do in other countries, that's not the first conversation started that a lot of cultures have. Yeah. I do think now that we are talking a lot more about work-life balance and self-care and all of that, that hopefully, like, work is not life as much as it used to be. I mean, it is such an American identity, but I'm hopeful that there's more balance. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, like, the American brand abroad is is really, like, hard work. Yeah. Like, working hard, working all the time. And that can change. I mean, I'm just interested, like, if that sort of, like, that brand America. Yeah. Uh, changes. What does that mean mm-hmm. for society as a whole? Because like a lot of the lectures we enjoy. Right. I mean, one thing I can say is hard work. Is is being the, the the place I worked back home was my first real job. Before that, I just did a lot of volunteer work. But mm-hmm. one thing, working in specifically in customer service, so in but in food service has had it's made me gain a new level of respect for other. Places like mm-hmm. I, I like I said, I never believed in the the customer's always right, but just working in that and being able to deal with people and being on with like behind the shirt, behind the hat, mm-hmm. it's gave me a new level of respect. So everyone I go places, 
those people may be having a horrible day. Right. And it's not my job. I have no obligation to make that their day worse by being mm-hmm. difficult. So if obviously I'm not going out to say I want to wait 45 minutes for food and stuff at a fast food restaurant, but at the same time, it's mm-hmm. like I'm not gonna be like making a scene and making it more difficult than them because some people are just having a bad day, and I don't take that as a representation of the company mm-hmm. or a representation of them because you know those people are not the company. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think something that connects all of what y'all just said is empathy, which is our yes. the empathy. It's full circle. Yes. Um, but like, just I mean, I think a part of communications between generation is empathy, um, and like you said, with like work life balance, um, I think a part of that is is companies and things like that having to have empathy, and that is something that I like not to. I'm, I'm not saying this just because y'all are sitting in the room, but I legitimately have noticed that the BCL, that this is probably the most empathetic place I've ever worked at. Ooh. And I've, I've like, I've had a and lot. I'm dead inside. Yeah, it's, it's all lies. It's I, all lies. <laughs> well, it's like, I've, like, I've, you know, when I, I've started working since I was 15. So, like, I've done that. And I have, a, I have other stuff that I do, but, like, I really do. It's just... Like, I legitimately think that this is the most empathetic place that I've ever worked at, which I think is very cool. So I think that's really cool, too. I also think that I feel lucky that I can help create. I mean, Ryan created this culture before I got here, and I was already empathetic. But So I enjoyed coming into that, um, but also get maintaining that and keeping that mm-hmm. because I've also worked in a lot of different places that that was not a priority. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it makes your day-to-day just a little more miserable (laughs) if you don't have that. And one thing I will say to me, one of the things that got me to come back to uh, grad school and get into education and switch careers out of of business was that I had jobs um, where I did not enjoy them and I dreaded going to work. And I was talking to a friend of mine's dad who was a high school teacher. I never really wanted to teach high school, but he said, you know, I hate that because I've never, it's like I've had bad days. Of course, everybody has bad days and good days, but I've never dreaded going to work at my school. And I'm just thinking, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that got me thinking about the career I wanted to have and what I valued. And I'm just a firm believer in that, like, people shouldn't dread coming to work. Right. and you need to have a good culture, and you need to have accountability. But I think you mm-hmm. can have a good time working hard. I think it's mm-hmm. really important to me. I think that's something that resonates with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people don't want to work. Some people just want to do the minimum viable, you know, give you the Pointing minimum viable me, product. <laughs> I'm looking right at Liza. No, I'm kidding. Liza's After I complain about 40-hour work weeks. <laughs> no, but I mean, there's, there's always, I mean, there's always outliers, right? Yeah. But I think it's important, like, to 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 give people a chance to invest and engage in their work, and to make work enjoyable, but to still make sure work gets done. Like the the things aren't mutually exclusive, and there's always times when something has to give. Of course, but on the whole, work can be fun. You heard it here first. Work can be fun. <laughs> Hot, like, ice cold take, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back on air. It's Savannah. 
Oh, and Gracie. And we just wanted to give a quick recap of what we've learned here um, for our Boomers versus Zoomers episode. I think this has been such a cool topic to um, research, and I, I love all of the questions that we've asked our peers because really it it made me really think about um, how my experience experiences have shaped the way that I am and like my personality, but also how I see things in the workplace and how mm-hmm. I treat others in the workplace and my interactions with others. Mm-hmm. I like really enjoyed, and I'm going to sound like a nerd, but that's fine. But like, I really enjoyed just like listening to Ryan Liza's and Jared's stories. Right. Because I mean, um, as an individual, we all have different life experiences and things that happen to us, but like, it's just, it's interesting to see the connection between the individual and the generation, right? Like right. what you feel like goes with you and what doesn't. And I mean, something, something that I really took away from that conversation was, um, this idea of like, whenever we, I, whenever I asked them, you know, what's your culturally defining moment? Most of, I think what a lot of people tend to say are negative things right? because that's what we all share, right? Like a positive thing is when I got my dog, but you don't have my dog. So that's not something that we can share, but there are like good things that we share as, as communities too. And so I really enjoyed that. And I wonder why that is that, why isn't there like a positive thing? I'm trying to think right now of a positive. I think the only thing we can all agree on is how much of a queen Betty White is. (laughs) Like that's the only thing that came to my mind when we can all like, but I think, I guess that's what makes those things so special is that they don't happen as frequently. Mm -hmm. And so when there's something that everyone can really agree on, we feel like really protective over Mm -hmm. it and it really brings people together. I think sports is another example too of um, something that really brings people together and like it's a shared experience. Mm -hmm. Like um, for example, my dad's really into sports, more specifically baseball. But something I've noticed is that all generations, like if you're into sports, then it's something that you can agree on. Like, oh, LeBron James Mm -hmm. is such a good player. And like my dad will be like, yeah, in my years, I've never seen a basketball player like that great, even though I grew up with LeBron James Mm -hmm. on my TV. So it's little things like that that I think, um, like I said, don't happen as frequently, but I think that's why they're so special. Mm -hmm. And then as humans, we tend to harp on the negative yep. things. Yep. But as millennials, I can say that we do. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. But yeah, I really appreciated hearing those stories too. And I think it was really interesting because some of the things that Ryan and Ly- Ryan, Liza, I Liza. am so sorry in <laughs> advance for all of the times that I'm going to have to make corrections for you. But I really appreciated the stories that Ryan and Liza had because um, I think it's interesting to hear a lot of things that I'm probably not going to experience when I go um, and graduate and go into the big girl world. So yeah, overall, I think this was a really insightful episode. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to the podcast team, which has been so flexible and so amazing this semester. Of course, Gracie, my co-host, my other two co-hosts, Jackie and Sung Min. I want to give a shout out to Guillermo and Cole who do all the editing. Um, And also Macy, who is our marketing queen. And if you like what you heard, please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. While you're at it, follow us on Instagram at WaltonBizTalk and our other account at WaltonBCL. That's all for this week. We'll be back soon with casual conversations about